The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Deep down the middle, has got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his house and a red flag. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Daddy and Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. It is Tuesday, September the 5th. Hope you're having a fantastic morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I am Jason Swain. I'm live here in the Low T Center studio. Ben McKee. Looking good this morning, man. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Jay Swizzle. Trying to, to look good like you look good, especially down there on the sideline of Nissan Stadium. I, I hope you're well this morning. Hey, man, Tennessee's one to know, buddy. Yes. Yes, college football is, is well underway. Uh, it, it was almost a, a picture-perfect weekend for Tennessee fans because not only did Tennessee win, they can snicker at other schools as well. And then, obviously, the Steelers begin their Super Bowl run on Sunday. It, it, it is a great week. Everyone begins their Super Bowl run this week in the NFL, Ben. Everyone. Correct, but, yeah, man. but I don't care about everyone else. I know. Aside you from the – I do have a rooting interest in the Bears, and I hope the Titans do well. But aside from them I – thought, I, I, thought, I thought the Titans hate the Vols. Ain't that, ain't that what's been going around? <laughs> Not, no, they don't hate the Vols. They spit in the face of the Vols. Goodness gracious, boy. We are in mid-season mode, ain't we? With some of our our, our 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 hot takes, my goodness, man! Can we just enjoy some football? It always got to be some mess. Always got to be some drama. Let's just enjoy football. We've been waiting months on this season to start, and it's and it's finally here. Let's not create silly narratives. Uh, ben McKee, Tennessee gets the win on Saturday versus. A Virginia team that, quite frankly, um, just wasn't that good. I mean, it just wasn't that good at all. 49 to, to 13, um, personnel-wise, they are severely lacking. They're insufficient when it comes to competing at a high level in college football. Uh, Tennessee came out, handled business, first possession, but hit some walls offensively. And this is how offense is so different than defense. Offense is more about, you know, chemistry and timing and, you know, being in sync. And this is why you see scrimmages that take place in fall camp. The defense is usually ahead because it doesn't take all that. 
Well, in the first half, Tennessee's offense was out of sync at times. Execution wasn't where you need to be. But the defense, oh boy. The front seven was handling business, winning one-on-one matchups, getting to the quarterback. But, Ben, give me some things that stood out to you. I know it's Tuesday. Tennessee plays Austin P on Saturday, but we can keep talking about what happened on Saturday. We good. We can. And and unfortunately, the, the nature of a, a Tuesday and Thursday show is that this Tuesday is the first time that we get a chance to talk about what happened on Saturday. So just kind of is what it is. But there were kind of three main things that have that have stuck with me since Saturday. Uh, the first being that the running backs are better than I thought. And I don't really know how that's possible because I already thought that they were going to be really, really good. <laughs> they, they managed to exceed all expectations. Like I, I expected Jalen Wright uh, to start and, and have a big game. I expected Jabari Small to do some nice things, Dylan Sampson to do some nice things. I, I did not did not expect them to look that good. They 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 look like one of the best running back rooms in the country on on Saturday. Uh, so I was very very impressed uh, by by them. Uh, I was also very impressed by the defense, especially that front seven. I mean Tennessee's defensive line absolutely mauled Virginia's offensive line, and I think that is as good of an encouraging sign as you can have if you're a Tennessee fan coming out of the opener, especially when you had just watched Florida's offensive line get bullied by Utah on Thursday night, and you turned around after beating Virginia on Saturday and watched South Carolina's offensive line pee down its leg against a North Carolina defense that had questions about it coming into the season. So uh, I, I think projecting ahead a little bit, I mean, Tennessee's defensive front, that they should be able to handle business quite a bit in, in those upcoming SEC games to round out September. But I was very, very impressed by the defensive line. Hard not to be impressed by James Pierce and, and Tyler Barron. Omar Norman Lott just explodes off the ball. Uh, and Amari Thomas obviously doing his thing. And, and there's others as well. We could go on and on and on. But everybody who appeared in the front seven for the most part was, was very, very impressive and I, I think they are in for a big season. Uh, and then on the opposite side of the trenches, kind of my last sticking point that has stuck with me since Saturday is is the offensive line. And they, they are further along than I anticipated. And uh, I, I think that is also a good sign of things to come because that, that is a Virginia front that we talked about on Thursday that returned several players from last season. And they they were going to be a nice test because they had experience and Tennessee handled that test well. And, and at two four seven Sports on our podcast, we talked to a Virginia writer, and she said going in that she felt like the defensive line for Virginia was one of the better defensive lines in the ACC, which may not be saying much when you watch what Clemson did last night, but still, there's what twelve fourteen teams in, in that league this season. And that that is a veteran, experienced, better defensive line unit in the ACC. And I thought for an offensive line that is missing Cooper Mays and, and is rotating guys at, at a couple of different spots, they were further ahead than I anticipated. Yeah, you mentioned the defensive line and how we'll fare here the next couple of weeks, especially in the month of September. I mean, South Carolina gave up nine sacks uh, versus North Carolina, and Florida gave up five sacks versus 
Utah. So there's an opportunity for Tennessee to get to the quarterback, affect the quarterback, and, and, and create some turnovers. That was the one thing defensively that we did not do that I know that every defense wants to do, and that's create turnovers and flip the field and, um, and turn defense into instant offense. Let's get a pick six. Let's get a scoop and score. Did not do that. And so this defense was great, but that's something that every defense wants to do. It was fun to see, you know, Ken and Peely fly around, make plays, uh, play intelligent, play smart. Aaron Beasley was Aaron Beasley from from the Orange Bowl. He was he was fun. I didn't think the secondary got many challenges uh, outside of one deep pass that they gave Julie Lolly was on the coverage. Um, you know, too much space off the release. It was a good throw. Don't get me wrong. Inside release on a on a go route, which is a really difficult throw to make. So you give credit to the to the quarterback receiver, but at the same time, if you if you gave Julie Lolly, you, you don't want to give up that play. But that was really the only play I saw defensively um, where we gave up a big time explosive play where I kind of stumped my feet a little bit and was like, "Come on, man!" But all in all, man, the defensive performance was was spectacular. Uh, special teams. It got to be better. There's no doubt about it. There's no sugarcoating it. Had a couple of kickoffs that went out of bounds. You had two shank punts. Um, that has to be cleaner. But D. Williams was, was great outside of the fumble. But he was he was a weapon, man. I'm glad that uh, Hypo was asked a question about D. Williams be, uh, D. Williams being used in other places besides as a as a punt returner, maybe on offense. And uh, Josh Hypo just nipped that in the bud real quick. Because I was thinking the same thing. Actually, I was thinking the same thing all offseason from what he did last season and the fact that he's not really in the rotation um, frequently at secondary. He reminds me, I, I want to say we we brought this up on this show or Josh and Swain, um, but D. Williams reminds me of Devin Hester because, yes, he's electric. Don't get me wrong. But... Hester never really had a true position where he was comfortable playing. He was a DB at Miami, started off at DB with Chicago Bears, and then 2007 moved to wide receiver. It just never really happened for him on offense or defense, but he was a weapon on special teams, and D. Williams reminds me of that so much because we haven't seen him at corner, but we've seen him at punt returner. Um Ben, every opener, when there's questions about the quarterback, what he's going to do, it it really doesn't matter sometimes what the quarterback does. There's going to be some overreaction. There's going to be some over analysis. And it seems like that was the case a little bit with Joe Bill. So we'll take our first break of the day. We'll come back. We'll, we'll talk Joe Milton. Joe Milton wasn't the only person who played on Saturday. But understand how polarizing the quarterback position is, especially here at the University of Tennessee. So we'll take our first break. Listen to the Swain event, Fueled by Daddy and Barbecue. And then uh, talk to Joe Milton, man. How did he do? I got a grade for you. I'll give you that grade. Stay with us.
You're listening to The Swain Event. You don't say. Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Hey, Knoxville, we all know the importance of mental health. Most people don't have regular mental health care. They often wait. Let's change that. Isn't it time we all consider our mental health as important as our physical health? If you are ready, Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville can help you design a plan for your mental wellness. We are accessible, affordable, and available. You are worth it. Visit mindbodyknoxville.com to schedule a mental wellness assessment today. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Hey, Vol Nation. This is Charlie Pratt, financial representative with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. Modern Woodman has been touching lives and securing futures for 140 years. Being born and raised here in East Tennessee, I'm honored to help East Tennesseans in all phases of life with retirement planning, investments, and life insurance. A big win on Saturday starts with preparation early in the week. A secure financial future starts with planning today. Contact my office today at 865-919-6468 to review your financial plan and make sure you are on track for success. As always, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodmen of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. First home game in Knoxville this weekend, so make sure you get yourself over to Dead End Barbecue. A little weird game time for an Austin P type of game, which gives you plenty of time before the game to get over to Dead End Barbecue. And if you are spending the night, which because of the game time, you may want to the next day. Hey, you need to you need to get over there at Dead End Barbecue, top one hundred barbecue restaurant in America. All right, Ben, Joe Milton talked about more than any other quarterback. It seems in the SEC this offseason. I mean, it's weird. But we know about his big arm. We know about his personality. He was talked about more than anybody else. Um, what's your grade, Joe Milton? Uh, B, B plus. I, I thought he was good. 
thought he was good. I, I, I think there's been too much conversation about Joe Milton coming out of the opener. And I, I, I don't understand why we're grading him on this scale of having to be perfect on every single rep, every single snap. That, that's at least what it feels like to me. Maybe I'm misinterpreting social media's reaction, message board reactions, or just simple conversation. But it seems like everybody expects Joe to throw a 60-yard touchdown every time he drops back to throw the football. And that's not going to happen. I, I thought he was I thought he was good, I, maybe even really good on Saturday. I, I'm all for a quarterback who doesn't turn the football over and, and makes great decisions. Uh, and, and he looked like he he had a great feel for operating the offense. And he looked like a quarterback back there, which is what we saw at the tail end of, of last season as well. But that's not what we saw when he first got to Tennessee. He is a completely different person and, and, and quarterback now. He, he's no longer an athlete playing the position. He is truly a quarterback now. He has developed into a, a really, really good quarterback, in, in my opinion. And, and I thought he was good on Saturday. Obviously not perfect, but no quarterback is is perfect. Not even... Patrick Mahomes is going to be perfect this upcoming season, but it feels like Joe is on this grading scale of having to be perfect. And, and I guess that's a separate conversation, but as, as Saturday, just looking at Saturday, I thought, I thought he was good. I mean, he had what one true inaccurate throw and that was the one on third down to, I think it was brew. And, and it was kind of maybe a little behind if I remember correctly to brew and yeah, he had got another one that was high. Air. Yeah. He had, he had a couple of hot, he had a hot throw to the perimeter. Yeah, that, yep, yep, yep. I'm remembering that one now too. And then, like, there was a moment. I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective because obviously you know football better than I do. But the one going towards the north end zone, uh, going towards the checkerboards, Dante running down the seam. Yeah. It, it seems like he threw it a little too late to Dante, and and didn't give Dante much of a chance. And there in the back of the end zone, kind of gave Dante a tight window. It looked like because he he saw him a little late there on that particular throw. But I also didn't know from a receiver perspective. If you know the play that I'm referencing, yeah. if if yep. Dante did not do something particular there to to help Joe out, yeah, 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 um, I'll touch on that for sure. So I, I gave Joe a B uh, yesterday on Joshua Swain. I'm I'm cool with the with the B plus. Like I'm I'm cool with that. You're right. It's hard to to be perfect at the quarterback position in any given game. Joe was 21 for for 30. Um, he had a touchdown drop. He had another touchdown where the receiver didn't get his foot in, and that was inches. I was standing right there. Um, Brew did a good job of, of catching it, trying to get that foot in bounds, but the ref was on it. It was the right call. Uh, there was some contact. I know Hypo was stating his case about that, but it was a good rep by both players. Brew was just out of bounds. So those those are two passes right there where if we were able to make those plays, Joe is 23 for 30, 300 yards. And and maybe the offense doesn't go into a lull there midway yeah. through the first half if Ramel doesn't drop that football. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you about mis, miscues and mishaps. You throw in drops, fumbles, misassignments, they're contagious. They are contagious. Good plays are contagious. You know, you have basketball where, man, the shots are rolling. You're making them. Defense, you're playing good. You're going to run. 
20-0 run. Like, it's contagious. Good plays are contagious, and bad plays are contagious. And no different in football. So, I'm not sitting here blaming Romel Keaton for all the mishaps on offense during the first half, but I am sharing with you that when one person doesn't make a play, then it kind of plays into the next person not making a play, and it's contagious. I'm glad that Joe Milton went back to Romel. Romel had an opportunity to make a catch, pick up a first down, uh, get hit, and uh, you know shake whatever that bothered him when they drop off and then play the next play. Joe had command. He was not in a hurry. The check down of Dylan Sampson on fourth down, I think, kind of proves that fact. He didn't try to force it into the end zone. It was a good throw, throwing it to his upfield shoulder, allowing him um, to, to go forward and not have to turn around. Usually you see quarterbacks make an inaccurate throw, throwing it to the bubble, throwing it to uh, running back on the flare, and they throw it to the wrong shoulder, making the running back or receiver turn around, just giving the defense enough time to close and make a tackle. So it may not seem like a big-time accurate throw, but like it was. It was a touchdown. Um, and Dylan Sampson had to run around the defender to score. What if that ball was inaccurate? That defender's in a better position to make that tackle on, D- and on Dylan Sampson. So I thought that was a really good play uh, by Joe. Joe was decisive in his running. There was a lane. No one opened. He ran, and he finished ran, He finished runs. Uh, it's something that he was criticized for in 2021, being big but not running big. He ran big on Saturday. Stiff arm and falling forward. Um, that was that was did, cool. Did that D B retire yet? We, we need to we need to get Jay Wade in here. Does that does that D B need need to, to retire after Saturday after taking that Derek Derrick Henry stiff arm to the face? No, he needs he needs a moment of self reflection for sure. Um <laughs> the throw you're talking about to to Dante Thornton, I I watched it uh, a couple times. And let's keep in mind that these guys are playing for the first time together. That was the first game on Saturday. When you're in the red zone, everything speeds up and there's less room. So decisions have to be made quick. Uh, in the shotgun, you got to get your hands on the ball. Um, if you are a guy that throws with the threads or, or with the seam uh, or with the laces, whatever, then you got to get your hands on the ball as quick as possible because you got a guy in Thornton who's fast. Like, you got to go. I felt like the the initial window to throw that ball for Joe, I think he missed the initial window. And that would have been a ball that had to kind of be lofted over the head. Like it has to be over the top, outside shoulder, and it has to be thrown like perfectly in that window. For, for whatever reason, Joe missed that window. And it was a tight window, like 0.5 seconds. It was really tight. But I thought Joe did a good job of the ball placement after missing that initial window, which is now a back shoulder throw. Could have been a little bit higher, I'm sure, yeah. But back shoulder throws are successful when you have a quarterback and a receiver that they have chemistry. They have a history together. They know what each other's thinking. That's going to come in time with Joe and Thornton. That is a play that could have been made. Maybe should have been made. I think when they look at the film, they'll sit down, they'll chit-chat, they'll talk, 
share what each other is thinking. That was a play that could have been made. But I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, my God, Joe, what a terrible throw. No, like, I understand. You're running a seam. It's tight coverage. That angle is a, is not the easiest angle to throw it. Like, Jacob Warren's touchdown, Jacob Warren was bending in. That's a better angle. Joe was trying to throw it over the defender, over the shoulder of, of Thornton with the back end line of the end zone, and you're in the red zone, everything speeds up. That's, that's, that's not the easiest, and it's understandable not to be pinpoint accurate first game of the year playing with a guy you never played before in a game. So that's that's how I uh, break that down. I thought Joe did a really good job. I don't know what folks are looking at during the game uh, when you, you got comments on the quarterback or you got comments on a certain play, player. Like, Joe Joe did his thing. Um, there's always throws you wish you could have back. But I want to I wanna bring up something, Ben, because I remember – it was, it was a Monday. It was a Monday after a nail-biting victory for Tennessee last year. And it was a victory that you're glad that you won, but you knew that Tennessee's offense did not play well at all in that football game. And that was last year, Ben, versus Pitt. You remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember. Defense had to, to bail the, the offense out in that one. Hendon Hooker was 27 for 42. Had two touchdowns, no interceptions, and that's always good, not turning the football over. Um, Cedric Tillman had nine catches for 162 yards, but he had 15 or so targets. And early in that game, Hendon was throwing so many inaccurate balls to Tillman. Maybe he was hyped up. For whatever reason, the passing game just wasn't clicking. It was actually worse than it was on Saturday. My point is, that was early in the season. That was the first Power 5 non-conference game. That was the second game of the season. You played, what, Ball State, the first game. And then what happened in the third game of the season? Ben, remember that Florida game? Was Florida the third game? Yeah. Uh, whether whether it was or not, they they exploded. The The offense went off. The, off, the offense did was better. It, it was better. It, it wasn't mid-season form, but it, it was it was better. It took a nice step in the right direction. Yeah. We scored 34 versus Pitt. We we scored 38 versus Florida. And we had a fumble in the red zone. We had a couple drives where we're stalled out because we didn't make plays. We only scored 38 points. Defense learned a lesson about finishing the game. Remember, Florida was one play away from winning that game. It took an interception on a deep pass from Richardson for us to seal that deal. But Florida was driving about to win the game. Every Everybody in that stadium and everybody watching on TV just knew that Florida was going to find a way to pull a rabbit out of their hat and win that football game. Yeah. So, like, here's, here, here's my point. It took Tennessee – Three games last year offensively to get things going. And you still was popping 34 points, 38 points. And the offense had some moments in the first three games last year, <coughs> excuse me, that you saw on Saturday versus Virginia. 
offense takes a little bit longer. It takes it takes a little bit more time because guys have to be on the same page. Got to be thinking thinking the same. And then the next game, remember the next game, Ben? That was at LSU. That's when the offense, that's when the defense, that's when special teams all came together. That was the first game of that, of that season. Last season. And my bad. Florida was the fourth game. But the fifth game of the season was when the offense was clicking. The fifth game, man. Fifth game. And that's what it's all about here. It's about being 1-0 each week while getting better. That's what it's about. And that's what Josh Heupel teams do best. They they continue to get better. They are ready for every football game, and they get better week to week. And it's because you hear Josh Heupel several times throughout the season. He says it at least once a week, if not many times more, publicly about how the best teams get better each and every week. And he harps on that to his team. And and last year's team got better as the season went on. Year one, the team got better as the season went on. And I I think this team is going to continue to get better and better. And I I think you really have to like Tennessee's chances of having success in the month of September after watching this weekend. There was already confidence in the month of September, but I I think you got to feel really good about that Florida and, and South Carolina game coming up, watching those two teams uh, play. I know we need to hit a break here. I'm curious when we come back after this break, two thoughts on uh, the offense still. One, what was your assessment of the receivers? Because obviously Josh Heupel said post game that he didn't feel like the skill position players got into a rhythm. And I think he was talking more about the receivers and maybe the tight ends than the running backs because the running backs played well. So your your assessment of the receivers and then Joe Milton taking deep shots. There was the one that Ramel dropped, and then there was, if we want to call it a deep shot, the the one to brew in the, in the end zone where it barely was out of bounds. I mean, he kind of pushed the ball downfield on that one. There, there weren't as many deep shots as there, there have been maybe the last two years. Do you think that's a one-off, or, or do you think that's something you're keeping your eye on moving forward to see if Joe gets back to pushing the ball down the field on a more regular basis like we've seen in this Tennessee offense the past two seasons? Yeah, I'll definitely get to that, Ben, man. Good question there. Let's First, let's get to the phones before we uh, take a brief time out. Uh, g- good morning. Who are we speaking with? Hey, buddy. It's Rusty. What's up, Rusty, man? Early morning in Cali. Just having, having, having a little coffee. About to head to the gym, but had to get you guys in first. Oh, man. Thanks for the call, man. Thanks for holding. Yeah, man. Yeah, with that Akron game, uh, we kind of got it going a little bit. Um, but then the Florida game, it was a struggle. We had the Fant fumble. Mm-hmm. And it was really the last drive of the first half before we got anything really consistent going in the Florida game whenever we picked up a third and ten from like our own eight-yard line. Then we hit the, the bomb to Keaton where Keaton made the catch of the year probably. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we were still struggling at least through the Florida game to, to, to be really, really consistent. You're totally right. It takes time, man. It takes time offensively. And, yeah, we scored 63 versus Akron, but think about how – That's Akron, yeah. Think about how inconsistent we played on Monday – excuse me, Sunday, Saturday, goodness gracious, Saturday versus Virginia, and two plays, and you got 63 points. On top of how 
inconsistently played in other areas of the game offensively. So like sometimes and you know, without and without and without D Williams fumble on the punt, we have the ball another possession on like their thirty two yard line. <laughs> yeah, like Tennessee easily could have hit seventy on Saturday. Easy. That's how Easy. bad Virginia was and how great Tennessee's defense was. But like it, you're real close. But again, to expect Tennessee to be in midseason form offensively in the first game. It's unrealistic. You set yourself up for failure and disappointment, and some of the criticism that I've, I've seen of, of Joe, y'all, it wasn't the same we saw for Hendon Hooker when when Hendon had his performance against Pitt. They are identical, and actually, Joe was better than Hendon. There's this there's this belief out there though, guys that that Hooker never made a bad pass, that Hooker never never was off target ever. There's, there's. I've heard people say that on the pass to Keaton that was dropped, that Joe underthrew it and that caused the drop. And oh I'm like, do you, oh I was like, God. do you remember the touchdown pass, the first touchdown pass of the Kentucky game to Hyatt when Hyatt was by himself? Oh my goodness! Yeah, Hooker intentionally underthrew the ball because he's like, I can underthrow it and still a touchdown. It's, it's the safer throw to underthrow it a little bit, and and and, and Hyatt had to wait on it, and he still could have backpedaled into the end zone. Rusty. Yeah, you're right. It, Rusty. It's people. People were trying to blame Joe Milton for Ramel Keaton's drop. Yes. Oh my. Because not was, a lot. Because there were, there were some saying that oh he under gosh. he under I think Chip Payne sums it up well on the text box, oh and gosh. and Vaughn Birmingham touched on it as well. Chip Payne said, "I think there are people out there who already have an opinion of him, regardless of what he does, because he's simply not Hendon." And what we got from Joe his first year, people need to stop being closed minded. I, I think Chip Payne hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, that's right. A lot, a lot of them made a lot of them made statements that year too, and they don't want to be wrong if he if he ends up being good. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, sounds. Um, like- the, the the touchdown. The, sorry, the 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 pass that could have been a touchdown pass to Thornton. I I I said to people that were around at the watch party out here. Um, he was a, he was a half a heartbeat late on when he should have when he should have he, he he hitched a little bit and then threw it. Mm-hmm. And if he had thrown it during the hitch, it, I think he probably gives it from uh, Thornton a better chance. But the safety vacated and and went to the opposite hash. Can, can you know better than anybody? Can can Thornton bend that route to the middle more, almost like turning it into a post as an option? Does does he have the does he have the the the, the freedom to not keep it as a seam and turn it into a skinny post or something like that right there. Cause it feels like it would have been a much easier play if he had been it when the safety vacated. I don't know his reads. Sometimes these guys have, uh, option routes. I don't know if he had that freedom. Um, that is a yeah. tough angle to make, to make that throw, which, yeah. I, which is why well, I think, the window's tiny. Yeah. Trying to throw it over the top and the, 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 the back of the end zones right there. I thought Joe did a good job of throwing the back shoulder after he missed that small window to throw it. And that's that's a tough window. You mentioned the hitch. Yeah. yeah. Like, but then after that, he tried to throw the back shoulder. And then maybe he could throw a little bit higher, because uh, Thornton is six four, six five, and could have made that play. But if you're Thornton, man, you gotta flip those hips, you gotta flip those shoulders and expect that back shoulder throw. And I think that play between those two will come with time. And again, this yeah. is this is the first game together. Yeah, a lot of times if Thornton just puts the brakes on and and and, and waits on the ball right there, he gets yeah. the PI. He probably doesn't catch it, but the, the defensive back runs him over. Yeah. Um the best pass the best pass of the ball game in my opinion was the 
deeper pass on second and 22 to Ramel. It looks like it was underthrown, but if you, if, from the wider view of it, the safety was deeper and throwing it over top of the corner that was trailing and in front of the safety was the, was the perfect place for that ball. And honestly, you don't pick up second and 22 deep balls very often in that kind of window. I, I thought that was his best throw of the ball game. And it was one where he couldn't use all of his arm. He had to throw it into an area about 35, 40 yards downfield. I, I felt like everything was about as good as it was, could be for, for a first day. I, I don't know. Good first day. I, I, I didn't, I didn't see anything that I thought was wrong. Um, I wished on the fourth and one, we would have just snuck the ball when Joe was under center instead of handing it off deep to small. I guess that would be my biggest complaint of the day is if you're going to go for it on fourth and one on your own side of the field, just lean on them instead of handing it off deep. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was thinking the the same thing in in that moment, Rusty and appreciate the phone call. My friend. Yeah, man. Y'all be good. Love y'all. Hope. Yep. Hope you and the family have a great week out there. Uh, I, I was thinking the same thing on that fourth and, and one. I'm always pro QB sneak, but game one uh, against the Virginia team that you know you're going to beat down, I, I don't mind limiting the hits on, on your quarterback in, in this particular one. And Josh Heupel said after the game that they they didn't get it blocked up right away. Two guys came free, not even touched. Uh, so maybe if if – the, the blocking scheme is executed the way it's supposed to be. Maybe that play results in, in, in a different situation. And, and Tennessee picked up the first down. 865-255-03. Thanks for the phone call, Rusty. Being asked a question about receiver play, deep shots. We'll touch on that when we come back from breaks. Wayne event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. You're listening to the Swain event. And you know this, man. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low T Center, reinventing men healthcare. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865 865- 
888-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. Swain Event and SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Your catering go-to this weekend, if you are watching a game at home, let Dead End cater. Big time menu. Whatever you want, whatever you need, Dead End got you. Got you covered. That's deadendbbq.com. Heard that uh, Joe Tess gave Dead End Barbecue a shout out during the broadcast. So that's that was awesome to hear. That's one of Joe Tess's favorite places when he comes to Knoxville. Speaking of Knoxville, uh, we know the importance of mental health, people. We've heard and we've seen the narrative change, the stigma change regarding mental health is as important as physical health, if not more important. We've seen players break out and have great performances from years or games where they didn't. Well, sometimes that can be attributed to getting their mentals right. We've heard Marshawn Lynch referred to that. We've heard athletes talk about the importance of, of mental health. Well, Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville can help you design a plan for your mental wellness. The website, mindbodyknoxville.com. Go to the website, schedule a mental wellness assessment. Take that first step, folks. It's okay not to be okay. It's not easy out here. Life is hard. Life is a challenge. And sometimes you just need to lift that weight, talk to someone. Therapy has done wonders uh, for me, my family. Uh, it's important to talk it out. So mindbodyknoxville.com is the website. Go there, schedule a mental wellness assessment. Take that first step, folks. All right, Ben, you, sir. What my take on the wide receivers and on the limited amount of deep shots. I was on the doing the broadcast. Bob Kesselin and Pat Ryan, Brent Hubs. Uh, during the break, I was talking to the guys. I was like, "Hey, man, I think we're gonna see some uh, deep shot here." I mean, a lot of the throws have been kind of you know, below the sticks. We haven't really push the safeties back. And then on that next possession, we saw the deep shot to, to Romel Keaton. I thought the wide receivers could have been better. Josh Heupel referred to it as being, what do you say? Out of, out of rhythm, out of sync. Mentioned the skill position players and understand the skill position players is everyone except for the linemen. Okay. You have, Big skill, which would be considered like tight ends and quarterbacks. Do you have other skill, which would be your running backs and your wide receivers? When we used to run 110s, it was three groups. It was linemen, big skill, skill. And all three groups had different times they had to reach on the 110 test or whenever you ran 110. So 
hypo could have meant, yeah, man, receivers, quarterback, running backs, everyone's included there with the rhythm and how much the offense is in sync. But, yeah, it was a little off for sure. It was off. First game of the season. Understandable. I thought we would see more D shots, Ben. For real. I mean, go ahead and let's go ahead and put these dudes to sleep. Because you can run goes. That's not anything you got to keep in the, 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 the back of the playbook because you're trying to save it for Florida game or Alabama game. Go route to go route. <laughs> like, that's not a secret. So I'm surprised we didn't see more of that. Um, I don't know the reason, but we didn't see a lot of deep shots. We we just didn't. Um, I wanted to see Dante Thornton more down the football field. That would have been nice to see. I wanted to see Squirrel White more down the football field. Like we saw him do that last season. Um, but we didn't. He didn't need it because he still won 49 uh, to 13. But, yeah, the receivers, man, they – they need to be better. Ain't no doubt about that, Ben. Buck Nasty asks a good question here on the text box. Do you think the receivers looked out of sync because they were held out a lot in fall camp? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely has something to do with it. But that's the trade-off that's worth it, though. It's worth it. It's totally worth it. Like, if Tennessee loses a game because the receivers didn't play well, then that's when you go back to fall camp. You go, man, well, we missed this time that we could have built chemistry and been in sync. And because we didn't do it, it cost us a game. But Tennessee won 49-13. Right. So, now, yeah, it's worth it, it. Absolutely. Now, in the future, if Tennessee has an opener like LSU, Florida State, like you've got a, a big boy right out of the gates, then, then maybe a different approach should be taken maybe. to fall camp. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Maybe it is, you know, taken. Yeah, but it's hard to be in sync game one when you miss time during fall camp, especially 11-on-11, like live action. So, like, right. for those guys, for Romel, that probably was the first time he was tackled off fall camp. For some of those guys, first time they were tackled. So, yeah, like, but the trade-off is 1,000% worth it. Well, and you can speak to the fact of how different your conditioning is in game one to what it's going to be even this Saturday. Like, it's just different conditioning-wise. You hear former football players talk about it all the time, just how, yes, obviously you're in great physical shape going into the season, but you you start sucking wind in that first game more than any other game because that that game shape is just different. It's different, dude. You had cramps all over the field. You can't tell me that that our football team's not in shape. You can't tell me that at all. Look at the last two years under Kurt Smith. It's totally different than 2016 to 17. That that. A lot of seasons. Well, you know, you had strength coach. You had that situation. My point is, you haven't had an influx of injuries that were unexplainable. Um, like you didn't, you don't have that right now. You have guys in tip-top shape, and then you're playing a style offensively that requires you to be in better shape than a normal player on offense. 
Uh, and then defensively, you got to keep up with that offense. So, yeah, like we're in shape, but we still had dudes cramping up. Why? Because it's different. Like, it's, it, it was hot, and it was the first game. And there's practice shape from summer workouts where you're running with shorts and, and T-shirts or your little catapult tank top thingy. And there's a difference between that and fall camp where you got pads on and you're hitting. That's a different type of shape. You, you wake up super sore. And then there's game shape. And that's different because you have the adrenaline. You have energy that you don't use during practice that you may use in the games because there's an opponent across from you wearing a different jersey. So we had guys going out with cramps. So, yeah, like, as long as you're winning, again, you, you, you're going 1-0. and Right. And we've talked about this before, how important it is to have correctable film. No turnovers on offense. No significant injuries. Penalties were held at a minimum. Nila Mafia says, hey, we won by 36 over a power five team and only had 10 yards in penalties. Penalties were held at a minimum. And you, you won the game. So now you go back to the drawing board and you fix the drops and the miscues and the missed tackles and the missed angles. Like you fix that stuff and you want to be able to do that while still being one to know because everyone has to go and correct things from game one. It's just that Clemson, South Carolina, LSU, TCU, these teams have to do it being 0-1 to start mm-hmm. the season. That's the only difference. Yep, and that is quite the difference. But to to go back to the Joe conversation real quick and put a bow on that, to turn the lack of deep shots into a positive, because I would have liked to have seen more deep shots as as well, I assume that that was a, a one-off. Austin P. I I expect to see more deep shots for sure because it's Austin P. But I would expect even talking about going up against a power five opponent, a conference opponent in Florida in two weeks, I would expect to see more deep shots in, in that game as well. But to turn it into a positive in terms of the lack of deep shots, I thought it was a great sign of things to come and a, a really tip of the hat to Joe Milton that he wasn't trying to force things deep because you go back to year one of Joe Milton and his first couple of starts, and it was trying to force the ball deep as much as possible. And yes, you have the arm strength to to do that, but that's not true quarterback play. True quarterback play is what Joe did on Saturday against Virginia. He was taking what the defense gave him and he was he was making it work. I mean, you you pointed out the example early in the game of of throwing to Dylan Sampson on the fourth and five. Uh I ideally you don't want to throw behind the sticks on fourth and five, but you trust D Samp out in the flat in a one-on-one situation more than you trust trying to fit it into a tight window with three Virginia players around the receiver. Uh, that that was a heads-up, smart quarterback play. And he continued to do that throughout the game and, and taking what the defense gave him. That is typically a sign of a quarterback maturing in a major way and showing complete command of the offense and, and, and being able to operate the offense at a high level. So I thought that that was a really encouraging sign that although 
He wasn't pushing the ball down the field as much as we anticipated. He was still taking what the defense gave him. And also, when the running backs are going to run for 287 yards, if the running game's going to do that, you don't have to push the ball down the field as as much as maybe we've seen in the past. Let's let's bring something up, too, that we haven't talked about. Maybe some people have thought about, but we didn't mention it today. There's a rotation of offensive linemen during that game. Maybe that has something to do with deciding to take deep shots because you got new guys in there and you don't, maybe you don't know what you're going to get. That's why you got guys rotating to kind of see what you're going to get. Who can you trust as we are approaching SEC play in two weeks? I mean, we saw Ollie Lane start at center and then we saw Dane Davis work at center. We like, we saw different guys on the offensive line. And so maybe you wanted to keep it, I won't say vanilla, but you wanted to keep Joe clean and throws that doesn't require a lot of time, giving Virginia's defensive lineman enough time to get to Joe. I'm just spitballing here. It wasn't mentioned. Um, It's something that I kind of thought about during the game. We haven't seen the amount of rotation with the offensive line in the first game since Josh Heupel has been here. Yeah. I I think that's a great point because obviously if Joe's dropping back to throw a a deep ball, they've got to protect longer and you're not putting them in in that situation. Uh, It's an offensive line that that's kind of playing musical chairs right now. Uh, And I I don't really like how many guys that they're rotating. (laughs) I I understand it for the opener, but I, I think by the time, the end of September rolls around. I, I think you got to get to your five guys for sure. And and then maybe a sixth or, or seventh off the bench. Uh, just by the way, the, the best offensive lines work is by cohesion and playing a ton of football together. And, and I don't know if you can accomplish that by rotating as many guys as they did on Saturday, but against Virginia, that's an opponent that you can, you can afford to test some things out. And I think that's mostly what that was as as they still try to figure out their top five, top six guys, and, and they'll eventually settle on that top five and top six and 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 roll with it. But I think that's a great point, something that I did not think about. Obviously, if Joe's dropping back to throw a deep ball, you got to protect him longer. And maybe you don't want to risk getting him hit, kind of like what I was talking about on the fourth and one earlier to Jabari Small. Instead of knowing that Joe's going to get piled on there in a short yardage situation, block it upright, hand it off to Jabari Small and pick up the first down, and the offensive line just did not execute on that play. Yeah, I mean, something to think about. That's that's all. Something to think about. 865-255-03. Man, the Beatty Chevrolet text box is rolling this morning. We have a lot to cover here on the text box. A lot of good stuff here. Beatty Chevrolet. Their website, BettyChevrolet.com. A big-time sale going on at Betty. All inventory marked down with their best price on the windshield. Get your biggest savings on the largest inventory in years, up to $10,000 off at BettyChevrolet.com. Ben, this is what we're going to do, man. We're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to come back going straight to the Betty Chevrolet text box. There's a ton of messages on here that we're going to get to, comments, questions, Tennessee's going to be in a different uniform this weekend. You're not allowed to comment on that, though. 
Apparently. You're not allowed to have an opinion on the Condra Holloway throwback unis. Mid-season form, ain't we? We in mid-season form. Wow. 865-255-03. Stay with us. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Hey there, Swain Event fam. If you're currently renting and just about priced out of your place, give me a call. Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897. You may be able to buy a home and have monthly payments less than your rent. And wouldn't you rather pay your own mortgage than someone else's? Hope to hear from you soon and go Vols. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss stem cell treatment and PRP. If you have orthopedic injuries, you should give them a call. That's right, Jason. We specialize in regenerative non-surgical orthopedics. So we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints by using ultrasound-guided injections with stem cells or PRP. And this form of treatment actually stimulates the body's own reparative process and allows for healing of the damaged tissue. So, Doc, what makes your training different than others? Well, Jason, I've been practicing in Knoxville for 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. At Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own bone marrow stem cells or PRP. So in other words, it comes from you and it goes back to you. So you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, trsportsmedicine.com, East Tennessee's leader in PRP and stem cell therapy. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. The conversation doesn't stop when the show is over. Follow the Swain event on Twitter and like this show on Facebook.
All right, let's get to the Beatty Chevrolet text box this morning. 865-255-03 is our number. Ben McKee, Go Balls 247. I'm Jason Swain. Low T Center Studio is where I am. All right, let's see here. Let's get on down here to some of the early, earlier messages. Raleigh Vall says, I was in Bull City last night watching Dabo's L. Man, um, uh, yesterday, you know, Josh and Swain were talking about Clemson-Duke game. I said, watch out. My Elko's a damn good coach. Saw how Duke played last year, how they finished. They're well coached. You better watch out. I didn't think that Duke would, would, would win like that. I'll just say that, whoo, Clemson. Um, no DJ Uyungale. Got a new quarterback. Got a new offense coordinator. Still offensive troubles. So, the only constant there is Dabo. We've kind of seen this before. Here in, in, in Knoxville, we have changes, and the changes are not necessarily working. So, whew, rough day in Clemson, for sure, for the Tigers. Clay, he better, the, ch- huh, go ahead. He better, he better adjust to the new age of, of college football, or else he's going to – it already seems like college football is leaving him behind, but if he doesn't adjust to this new age – and this new world of college football, he's going to be left even further behind. You better get into that portal, man. Really inactive in the portal. Look at Florida State, who in the last two years, probably top five team in the portal. Yeah, look easy, at Tennessee. Easy. And look where Florida State is right now. Florida State's ready to contend for a national championship. Because right look, now, look they're, at, they're the best team in ACC look, right now. Without a doubt, I, I picked them to, to make the playoffs. When I ultimately, I know last time you asked me, I hadn't really settled on a on a ah, final four. But yeah, I, come I, on, I, home, Ben. I, I I picked the final four, and Florida State was one of the teams that that I picked to to make the playoffs. Yeah. They they looked awesome. But hey, just look at Tennessee. Tennessee has passed Clemson. Tennessee's passed Clemson right now in terms of program who is in a better spot. Tennessee is in a better spot right now than Clemson, and they they may have a a lengthy lead over Clemson. I know that sounds crazy, but it, it's the truth. And part of it's been because of the portal. Like you, you can't ignore the portal. And, and like, I don't necessarily disagree with Dabo's thinking behind it in terms of not wanting to mess up the chemistry of, of your team and, and the culture or, or, or whatnot, but it's your job as a head coach to not bring in somebody that's not going to fit within your culture. That's one of the things Hypo has done best with when it comes to the portal is identifying guys who will fit in to what they're doing and not bringing in somebody who's going to mess things up. And that that's where it becomes your responsibility as a CEO and a head coach to make sure you're bringing in the right people. You can still, you, you can have both. Clay on the text box. Do we teach our DBs to not turn their head? Feel like we are flirting with a pass interference call every throw. We teach our, DBs to turn their head several times on Saturday. We did not. Kamal had made some good plays, just playing the receiver's hands, showing some good timing. Um, there's a time to turn your head. There's a time to, to not do it. 
there were a few times when we didn't turn our head and I reacted like, turn your head. Let's turn. Come on, turn around. Pick it off. So I would like to see us do more of that. But, hey, man, I thought Kamal had did a good job of playing the receiver's hands. And then we'll see how I, I, that, that, yes, that I, works out, uh, you know, later when we play better teams. I think they're mostly taught to rip the ball out, watch the hands, and then rip through the hands more than they are taught to to turn their heads. That that is a. It feels like it's a new age, newer age technique of of playing the hands, playing the hips, keeping your eyes on on those, and and then ripping through. Feels like back in the day, it was all turn your head, turn your head, turn your head, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, but. Seems seems like we've gotten away from just always turning your head. You you want to see the hands, see the ball, rip through the ball. I know I had a conversation with Martinez years ago, and I asked him what kind of DB was he looking for because that was a time when like I still had some connections across the country with with players and, and maybe being able to get Tennessee in on some of the recruits. And so I was asking him what type of DB he wanted, so you know, I can help him try to get some players here at Tennessee and. I remember the conversation. He he wants a guy that played multiple positions in, in, in high school, that played offense, that um, they have really good ball skills, that when the ball's in the air, they feel like it's theirs as much as the wide receivers. And it's hard for me to believe that he has that philosophy, but he's not telling the guys to turn their head around and make a play on the ball because you can't catch the ball. You can't make a play on the ball if you can't see the ball. So – I just want to continue to kind of watch our DBs and those 50-50 ball situations and those sideline throws to see if we're doing a better job of turning our heads. I do know that Nico Slaughter in Kentucky game last year, his pick up the sideline, that was textbook. And Nico Slaughter played corner for the first time last year. So you don't do that unless you're taught that, especially if you haven't played the position. So – Maybe it's not being harped on enough. Maybe it's coached, but the guys are not doing it. I don't know. I don't have an answer. Um, Will Voss says, I was watching Joe's eyes and feet. Got to say he's improved greatly in reading through his progressions, was poised and in control. Uh, Neil Mafia says, Swain, word is John Campbell is past Cookwell now, still shoving that fool out the club. Um, you, you don't get treated that way unless you said something. Unless you run your mouth. Unless you did something after the play on a different play. And they have circled your number in their head. You don't get treated that way. And John Campbell took him for a ride. Like, blindside movie we do know a lot of it is fake. A lot of it is made up. That one scene where uh, Michael Orr takes the the kid, I mean, he drops him 100 yards. (laughs) Like, that never happens in a game. It almost was 100 yards on Saturday. It was at least 15 yards for John Campbell. And I'm surprised no penalty flag was thrown. I loved it. And I didn't really see it live. It took me to go and look at Cole Kublik's tweet and watch it. Uh, over and over and over. Man, that was fun. 
Uh, Vaughn Birmingham says, unfortunately, Joe will be compared to what Hendon did in this offense. And even though Joe has more athletic ability, Hooker was just smoother. It was just smooth. I think Joe will be fine. He has to make good decisions in these upcoming big games and not hurt the offense with mistakes. Yep, and he hasn't done that yet. Zero turn, zero uh, interceptions since he's been here at Tennessee. If he continues to do that, he'll be just, he'll be just fine. And Hendon was Hendon was smooth. There were some times when Hendon would run. It, it looked a little clunky sometimes, uh, but he was a great runner. Did a good job escaping uh, the pocket. Had a signature move, the spin cycle, the spin move. Um, I think it's normal to always compare two guys that um, one's replacing the other or one's coming after the other. That's that's pretty natural. But Nasty and Brian Hunsucker asked about receivers being out of sync because of fall camp. We already answered that. Um Being incredulous of of Joe, given his history, being benched twice is fair. But it's asinine to hold that over. Hold that over the what have you done for me lately, which is which was. This play was very well against UVA. I hope he can string together some good starts and eliminate the unease once and for all. He didn't look uneasy to me on Saturday. He looked very at ease. And yeah, see, he he did, and and I actually wanted to bring up that message there uh, on the text box because I I do think it is a a fair point um, by Jason who spells his name correctly in Indiana J A S O N uh, spells his name correctly yeah, unlike the other Jason that I know uh, I I do think it's fair to like you know be sitting on the edge of your seat and 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 waiting for for Joe Milton to to go prove it consistently like that is something he has to go do to, to prove that he is a, a different quarterback consistently, especially in some big games coming up in, in the month of October, October is going to be locked and loaded folks. I know Alabama's in that month, but uh, Texas A&M and Kentucky, those are going to be some, some really, really fun football games as well. And I think that's really when we're going to learn a lot about Joe Milton, Florida and South Carolina are not good. Uh, and that is better competition than Virginia, and I think it'll be a great sign if if he does indeed play well in those games like I think that he does. But I, I, I think it's fair for somebody to kind of be sitting on the edge of their seat, given his history, given his past playing quarterback. Uh, but as Jason points out, it's also crazy to completely be narrow-minded and just hold that over his head and, and think that he can't change or that he hasn't changed and be become a better quarterback so I, I thought that was a great message from from Jason in Indiana and I, I wanted to bring that one up earlier as well uh Frisco Bayval says I was concerned about how Joe would scramble in the past he didn't seem like a decisive runner because he didn't get up field quickly against Virginia he was improved do you think that improvement is the Hinden hooker effect a focus on it by coaches or a combination um I'll say all of the above and probably even more that factors into that. I mean, Joe is quicker too. I mean, Joe looks trimmer. He looks he looks more lean. He's faster. I think that plays a part into it. Um, but yeah, like you see, you see Hendon making moves. I'm sure that has an effect on you. Um, and then I'm sure it's brought up in the film room by coaches. And it, 
honestly, it doesn't have to be brought up by coaches. If you're watching the film, you can see that, you know, you're a little indecisive uh, with making a move. So, like, Joe is comfortable. And Joe did a good job on Saturday. And I expect him to do the same thing on Saturday against Austin P. And then in Florida, I don't know what's going what's gonna to happen. I don't know what we're going to see. I do I, know I, the last I, time he played a good team in Clemson, he looked great. So, I'm expecting that too. I know we're going to see that Tennessee defensive front ball out against Florida's offensive front. But with Joe Milton, I do agree. Technically, we don't know what we're going to see. I'd be surprised if he did not play well in his home state. But in terms of the whole rushing thing, we talked about it last week or the week before. Slimming down was one of Joe's offseason goals. He he wanted to add a little extra burst of speed, and I thought that you saw that Mm -hmm. on Saturday. He was a little indecisive on that one run uh when he kind of broke the pocket he he well, maybe it was a read option i can't remember the the play design but uh he he, he kind of got out of the backfield and and kind of hesitated for a quick second trying to decide what he was going to do to a defender i guess it was or, or the angle to take just, just hit the hole man just just go you've got you've got some nice burst just just take what you can get and and not dance and and then end up not getting as much as you could have gotten and, and even like on the stiff arm it, it it seemed like he was a little indecisive if if he wanted to keep you know trying to hit the edge get to the sideline or or cut it back upfield and, and then he just decided i'm just gonna run through this guy so no, he wasn't indecisive uh, he was trying to make moves and the dude wasn't biting him that okay. that's what that's what happened like he was he was he was trying to give him some moves so you know you fake one way and if he goes for you go the opposite way like the defender just wasn't going for the fake and so joe tried different some different moves, and then eventually he said, "You know, forget. It. I'm going to put my hand in your face mask and just and just run you over." That's what I said. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair what enough. I, I thought he was trying to get the edge, and and then all of a sudden stopped for no reason. And yeah, he stopped. He stopped on. because the defender had his outside shoulder free, and he couldn't get to the edge. So yeah, he was trying to fake him out, but the defender just wasn't going for the face, and so yeah, he knew his time was coming to a close because pursuit was coming, and he had to just get upfield. I think he has more speed than maybe he realizes at times, and I'd just like to see him take off. Yeah, and just like he did in that Pittsburgh game when he had the long, he did that touchdown. He had that long run against touchdown. Pittsburgh. It wasn't touchdown against Pittsburgh, but he but he took off and was decisive uh, on Saturday. I think for him, you're trying to. And I think it's the same thing can be said with any quarterback when you break that pocket and you cross the line of scrimmage and you see green grass how much green grass can i get before i need to get down so like you're looking and running at the same time because you're looking for a defender to see okay can i get three more yards four more yards do i have enough green okay now i need to slide oh maybe not here i need to slide now so like i think sometimes you see quarterbacks running and they're not like running like a running back with the head down and just falling forward, they're looking for the right time to slide because they've been coached to slide. They've been told to slide. But you want to pick up as much as you can before doing that. That's how I look at it. Bulldog Brian, look at Colorado. Portal Kings. Yeah, man, Colorado. That was that was cool. I'm happy for Dion. That was cool. I'm all in on Dion. I, I know. One game? Well, when I say all in, I, I'm, I say that more like I'm a fan of of Dion, which I, I never like was was a hater or anything of, of Dion. I, I wasn't against him. 
uh, everybody the, the flashiness rubs some people the wrong way they're, they're used to coaches being buttoned down and, and acting a certain way but to, to me I, I think Dion is an awesome story not because of the swag and the drip and the music and the videos I think it is awesome how somebody who is one of the greatest athletes to ever grace grace us I mean he, he is truly one of the best athletes ever football baseball one of the best football players ever and he went and played professional baseball for the for the Braves for the Yankees like at the highest level and I mean he could easily be sitting on a beach somewhere with, with his feet up although he's, he doesn't need to keep his feet out because he doesn't have all his toes but uh, he, he could easily have his feet up somewhere just enjoying all the money and and and, and the fame that, that he already has. And he cares so much about all these kids that, that he coaches. I, that's why I'm all in on Dion and a fan of Dion because of the passion that he has for the kids that he is coaching and how he just wants to see them be better, get better, and he wants to lead them as men. His passion for his players is why I am all in on Dion. I think it is really, really cool how much he cares about it. And if you've heard him speak, he talks all the time how he thinks his calling is coaching to help mold and develop young men. And I think that is absolutely awesome. No, I I, I agree, man. He don't have to do what he's doing. He started off coaching, you know, little league and prom academy. Went to college. Now here he is at Colorado. So, no, I'm I'm with you, man. Now, hopefully, Dion can keep it going. I think that's the cool story for college football. I I will tell you after the break what I think is going to happen if Dion continues to be successful. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. We'll take our last timeout of the day and wrap things up here on Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Hey, Knoxville, we all know the importance of mental health. Most people don't have regular mental health care. They often wait. Let's change that. Isn't it time we all consider our mental health as important as our physical health? If you are ready, Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville can help you design a plan for your mental wellness. We are accessible, affordable, and available. You are worth it. Visit mindbodyknoxville.com to schedule a mental wellness assessment today. It is so good to be here with Charlie Pratt with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. And Charlie, you have a passion for helping and working with East Tennesseans. Why is that? Man, I was born and raised here in Knoxville. Uh, My family's owned a business here since the 1920s. I played football at Central High School and Maryville College. I'm just really proud to work in East Tennessee. What are you the most proud of? We do a really good job of meeting people where they're at on their financial journey. I've got clients uh, that are just now starting out. I've got clients that are in the middle of saving and doing a great job job and I've got clients who have worked really hard their whole lives and it's time for them to enjoy their retirement. It's my job to make sure their money lasts as long as they do in retirement and they're able to leave a legacy for their family. So with that being said, what are the next steps? Let's sit down and take a look at your financial plan. Give me a call 865-919-6468. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. 
guys, let me talk to you here. If you've noticed a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be Low T. Schedule your complete health assessment at Low T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month cash pay or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near Low T Center or you just want the convenience of a at-home treatment, Low T Center makes it easy shipping your treatments directly to you with the peace of mind of monitored treatment. Go to LowTCenter.com to book your appointment online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. I know missing the show live is a bummer, but don't fret. You can catch up on the podcast posted daily on the app, online, and on iTunes. Awesome! Man, was that, was that Shane Beamer crying? Talking about the chain game, hot dogs. What does that have to do with your team losing? And your so team annoying. giving up nine sacks. Come on, man. Come on, Shane. This 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 not your first season at South Carolina. Come on, man. So Dion, his success at Colorado. Remember, when he got to Colorado, he told everybody, you might want to get in that portal. <laughs> you might want to get into that portal. Go ahead and get in that portal. Whole team is new. I think he had like 10 players on his team from um, last year's team. If you are a new coach taking over a program, you got to do what Dion did. You got to. Like, you're, you're, you're paid to win. The portal is... It's a tool for you to flip the roster as quick as possible. I heard what Brent Venable said about, you know, he wanted to give guys a chance and everyone has a clean slate. Hey, man, the film don't lie. The eye in the sky don't lie. If you are not making plays on film, I don't blame a coach at all for saying, you know what, I want somebody better. I want someone different. So the portal Works both ways. And I can see this next coaching cycle. Just watch, Ben. When a coach leaves one school, go to a, another school, watch how fast he flips the roster after seeing what Deion Sanders done at Colorado or did at Colorado. So far, it's worked. 1-0, beating TCU, the defending national runner-up, I was going to say, I I don't know that he's ever going to win a national championship or make it to the college football playoffs, especially at Colorado, but he's not going to be a bad, like he can coach and his coaches love working for him. His players love playing for him. He's going to have success at Colorado. How that success is defined. I don't really know, but I I think he's certainly going to win more games than than he is going to lose. And I, I absolutely think if if he were at a Florida State uh then then he is somebody or a Florida after Billy Napier, I, I think he is somebody that could certainly win a national championship, win a championship at a place that has championship level resources. I I do believe that. It's not just all talk and hype and gimmicks. It's it's the real deal. He just talks a whole lot more than than other coaches do. And in terms of this individual game, like I don't blame him for being all hyped up. 
His his son just went off as the quarterback. Travis Hunter, who who he's really tight with, went off on, on both sides of the football, and they were big time underdogs. And people were writing them off in that particular game. So, uh, do I think that's a, a a stick that will get old after time if he does that every single week? Absolutely, it, it will get old at some point. But I I don't I don't blame him for for sticking his chest out after that particular game. Works both ways, though. It does. That that media, <laughs> they're going to be, they're, they're going to come for him yeah. the the moment they lose. Brad, Brad put it perfectly here on the text box. Dion better cool out with the media with the I told you stuff. Wait until he loses a game he's supposed to win. They, they will certainly come after him. Yeah. If the, the moment he loses a football game, it works both ways. Um, it's not the media's job to believe either. Um, that's the only thing I disagree with Dion on is, Mia's job is not to be your cheerleader, not to root for you, not to believe in you. You zero zero. Use the first game. They didn't have anything to go off of. Now, people can believe now if they want to because there's a sample size. You play the game. But even with that, just one game. How many times have we seen a team pull off an upset and lose to a team the next week they weren't supposed to lose to? We saw what Ole Miss when Hugh Freeze was there. Beat Alabama and then turn around and lose. Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel, beat Alabama and turn around and lose. Like, we, like we've seen it. So, I am a fan of Deion, the, the coach. Uh, I think he is great for college football. But it ain't the media's job to, to cheer for you, man. Like Their job is to cover the team. And, and um, that's, that's, that's what they're doing. So, I do like how he has a chip on the shoulder. Because he took the unconventional route to get where he is. And he listens to the haters. I mean, you got head coaches out here. Pat Narduzzi has some comments about Deion Sanders. Matt Rule has some comments about Deion Sanders. Nick Saban has some comments about Deion Sanders. So, of course, he's going to have that chip on his shoulder. And he hasn't changed. He's the same Deion as he was when he was a player. Prime. Prime time. Swag, like that's him. So I appreciate the fact that he hasn't changed. I mean, he's grown. We all grow. We all change in a little bit. A little bit. We get more mature. We learn lessons. But the basis of Dion, same base that we've seen in twenty years from Dion. But we'll see how he how he does later on in the season. Uh, see, Mac, do you not believe Swain? No, I believe he can win games in the Pac-12. I mean, that's that's all I got for you right now. That is all I have for you. All right, let's see what else is on this text box. All right, quickly. Um, you're going to see this, folks. If you are watching on YouTube, you're watching on Twitter, this is what you're going to see this weekend. Tennessee unveiling the Smoky Grays this week to honor Condress Holloway, the artful Dodger. Gray uniforms with orange shoulder pads. I'll be honest, when I saw them on social media, I saw a picture of them just hanging up in the store on a hanger. And I thought it was 
thought the jersey was hideous. Looks pretty good with the full uniform. Well, Joe, I'm not a big fan of the orange socks, but you'll see this on Saturday. And you've been told there's going to be an alternate uniform each year. There's going to be a smoky gray series that they'll wear each year. Last year, we wore it on the road. The LSU, it worked out because LSU loves to wear white at home, so it gave, gave us an opportunity to wear them then. You're not going to see any alternate uniforms versus Alabama, versus Georgia, versus Florida. So you're going to see the traditional look in those games. There's a theme. And it's, a, it's going to be a consistent theme. So just wrap your head around it. Tennessee is going to honor the past. They're going to respect traditions. And at the same time, they're going to move forward. This has been consistent. In the last two, three years. So this is not a big surprise. We saw the Grays last year. We saw the Grays the year before that. No, we didn't. We saw Black the year before that. Didn't see the Grays last year. I think uh, two years ago. Excuse me. Didn't see the Grays two years ago, but we saw the Grays last year. We saw the Blacks um, the first year. We saw year both last year. We saw Grays and and the blacks. They were great LSU. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about the first year, we didn't see the gray. We saw the black. Correct. With the white helmet, the black outline, run power team. Right. But last year, you saw the blacks and the white. Excuse me. Gray, black and the gray. <laughs> so you got two sets of alter uniforms last year. You got one set of alter uniforms in 2021, the first year. There we go. Yeah, so, and even got a little Summit Blue mixed in last year that, that I really liked. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. When they wore the Summit Blue uh, accessories to, mm-hmm. to honor Title IX and, and Pat Summit. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Th- these aren't my favorite alternate uniforms, but I like them. I, I do like last year's black jerseys better, and really I like every alternate uniform better that they've done to this point than these, but I don't dislike these. I, I think they're they're nice. I really like the prominent shoulders, and I, I think it does maybe look a little bit weird with black or, or smoky gray uniforms. I should I guess I should say, although the smoky gray maybe it's just the photos. It, it looks a little darker than, than the 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 gray uniforms we've seen in the past, um, and and it's a weird mix like the prominent orange shoulders with with a, a dark gray. It's a it's kind of a weird look, so I, I can get why some people do not like it, but I, I think it's a f- okay looking uniform. Uh, again, not my favorite, but I, I, I kind of like them. I'm excited to see what they look like uh, on Saturday. I, I think the smoky gray helmets make them really pop as well. But, but at the end of the day, if you're going to wear an alternate uniform, it, it's against Austin P you're honoring Condridge Holloway 51 years to the day of him becoming the first black quarterback to start in the sec I think it's really cool how they intertwine the two, giving a throwback to those 70s uniforms with the prominent shoulder, 
but then also honoring the the contract that they do have with Nike to where they're going to wear a, a gray uniform every single season. I thought it was a cool way to to intertwine and and if you're going to wear these jerseys, my only thing, my only strong opinion is don't wear them against Alabama, Florida, or Georgia. That, not, that's my yeah, only they're not. strong opinion, and, yeah, and they're not. Yeah, so they're not. like this is the perfect weekend to wear them. So I'm saying it today. So there's no reason for anyone to wonder or hope or wish. I hope they don't wear they they're not wearing alternate uniforms versus Alabama. They're not. They're not wearing alternate uniforms versus our um the biggest rivals, um, Bama and Georgia and Florida. And I, I found it funny last year that when it was announced that Tennessee would wear black against Kentucky, Kentucky fans were like, oh man, oh man, look. T- Tennessee wearing special uniform for for us. They're wearing black because you're not one of the main rivals. That's why Tennessee's wearing black. Because the main rivals, we're wearing the traditional look. But because we've been spanking y'all, spanking y'all's ass for so long, it's why we're wearing the alternate uniforms. <laughs> like I found that just hilarious that uh some Kentucky fans felt that, oh man, they must think a lot of us to have to whip out the the, the alternate uniforms to get hype. No, nah, man, we wearing them because we wear traditional look versus Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. So know that moving forward. All right, Ben, do we miss anything? I don't think so. I, I think we covered it all well. It was a nice opening win in Nashville over on the turf. And uh, Tennessee should be 5-0 and at the end of September. And, and excited to see how this team progresses over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Tennessee is in a great position, man. The schedule's setting up really well for Tennessee to be 5-0 and in September. And Tennessee being that top 10 spot real soon. Maybe Today? higher than that after the end of September. For Ben McKee. I'm Jason Swain. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. If you're listening via podcast, uh, thank you for turning us on. Our podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Big shout out to Betty Chevrolet for making our podcast available and special. Swain Event is fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Last but not least, right now, Hiller, 50% off month at Hiller. This is a special. It's about to get cooler. It's time to start thinking about your heating system. You can do that with Hiller. You don't want to experience breakdowns when the that first temperature drop happens. Hiller's half off month this month. off select add-on items. For more details, visit happyhiller.com. Hiller's work is backed by their Happy You'll Be or service is free guarantee. For Ben McKee, I'm Jason Swain. Peace and much love. We are out.